welcome to a special episode of Dyslexia Canada's podcast, Sharing Stories. In these special episodes, guest hosts of the show will interview authors all about a book they have written. If you love books and reading, you're in the right place. Now, on with the show. Well, hello. Um, my name is Maggie. I'm 21. I'm from Cape Breton, and I'm attending CBU, and I have dyslexia. And today I'm here with Joanne Levy, and she is the author of A Fish Out of Water. Joanne, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, and great to be here, Maggie. Thanks so much for inviting me. As you said, my name is Joanne Levy, and I live in southern Ontario, out in, I guess people would call it the sticks, um, sort of in a very small rural town. There's about 3,500 of us here, and uh, I write books. And in, uh, when I'm not writing books, I'm also an administrative assistant uh, for other authors. So I'm very entrenched in writing and publishing. So, and I have pets and no kids. <laughs> nice, that's so exciting. I am from Cape Breton, which is also what you could consider the stick. So we have that in common. So uh, I think we're gonna start off with you giving us a short reading from your book. Absolutely. So I'm going to read uh, the very first chapter. So whoever's listening can come in cold and it doesn't matter if you don't know what it's about. So this is from Fish Out of Water, chapter one. Let's go for ice cream, my five favorite words in the entire world. I turned away from the TV, which I wasn't really watching anyway, and looked up at my grandmother. She had been cleaning the kitchen after lunch, but was now standing in the doorway, smiling. Her purse was over her shoulder and her keys were in her hand, ready to go. Yes, please, Bubby, I jumped up off the couch. I was thankful for ice cream, but maybe even more for something to do. Every Sunday, I went to my grandparents' condo for a visit. It was pretty boring most of the time. I love them and all, but we never do anything. They don't like the kind of movies I like. They don't want to go anywhere. And I hate watching sports, which seems to be the only thing my grandfather ever has on the TV. I guess my dad liked sports when he was alive. And my Zeta assumes that as a boy and his grandson, I do too. Out of respect, I watch when I visit. He seems to like it when we watch together. Most of the time, I just tune out. Zeta was sitting in his big brown lounger, leaning way forward, very interested in the baseball game on the big screen. He obviously hadn't even heard the magic words. Zeta, I barked to get his attention. Come on, we're going for ice cream. Booby shook her head. He won't want to come. Zeta glanced away from the TV to look at me. You sure you don't want to stay here and watch the game? It's a nail biter. I'll be back later, I said. You can catch me up. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Suit yourself, he shrugged. Bring home some chocolate mint? Sure, Bubby said, jingling her keys. Come on, Fischl, I need to stop at the yarn store too. When we got to the front door, I worked my feet into my sneakers and followed her out. We got into the elevator to ride down the 11 floors and then two more to the parking garage. Do you need something special from the yarn store? I asked, because she always seemed to have lots of yarn at home. Yes, she sighed, more sock yarn. One of my friends asked me to make a pair for her granddaughter's 10th birthday, on top of all the ones I've promised everyone else. My grandmother was famous for her socks. She knitted them from special yarn, and each pair was one of a kind. Well, two of a kind, I guess. Each year at Fenica, I got three pairs that she had knitted just for me. Each set had a different pattern, but was always made in my favorite colors, purple, pink, and green. She spent hours and hours making them, her knitting needles click-clacking. It was kind of amazing, actually. Sometimes I watched her knit, 
the yarn looping over the needles, over and over. Her hands moved so fast they were a blur. More and more of the sock appeared below the needles, and the ball of yarn got smaller and smaller. It was like watching magic happen. Then she'd get weird about me staring and tell me to go bug my grandfather. When I wore the sock she made for me, I felt special, like she was sending love and hugging my feet. Sounds weird, I know, but it's not really. I thought my grandmother loved knitting, but her sigh made me wonder if something was wrong. How come you don't seem happy about making them? She gave me a small smile as we got to the car. Oh, I am. I just wish I didn't have so many requests. People love your socks, Booby. They do. Not a terrible problem to have. Thank goodness they last a long time, too. Otherwise, I'd never sleep. I spent every hour knitting to replace them as they wore out. We drove around and around up the ramp of the parking garage to get out. It made my stomach roll, almost like the rides at the fair. We were out in the sunshine before she spoke again. So official, have you decided on your bar mitzvah project yet? Ugh, wasn't it enough that my mom and Rabbi Siegel kept asking me if I'd figured it out yet? Apparently not. Everyone needed to know. Not yet, I said. There's so much to do to prepare for my bar mitzvah. It feels like a full-time job. You have to learn to read a part of the Torah in Hebrew and help your family plan your party. You also have to do a mitzvah good deeds project. It's not like in school either where they tell you what assignment to do. You have to pick your own charity project, something you're interested in. My best friend Seth had decided he was going to collect used hockey gear. Then he'd give it out to kids who couldn't afford new equipment. He had said I could do it with him and that it would be fun to work together. There was just one problem. I didn't like hockey or any sports. I didn't like watching them or playing them. The point of the project was to give of yourself to your community, something meaningful. Smelly old hockey equipment didn't feel all that meaningful to me. Doing Seth's project with him would be my backup plan, one I hoped I wouldn't need. But time was running out. All the other kids had picked their projects already. The rabbi had said I only had until our next class to decide. You'll think of something, Bobby said. Maybe you could help serve at a soup kitchen or collect for a food bank. I guess, I said. Both of those things were important, but did I want to do either of them? Did I have something special to give to a soup kitchen or food bank? Not really. Booby turned on the radio and hummed along to the music as she drove. I looked out the window, thinking. Will you grab a basket, please, Booby said when we got inside the yarn store. I was amazed at all the different kinds of yarn on the shelves lining the walls. So many colors, so many types, thin, thick, fuzzy, soft, scratchy. How did a person decide? My grandmother knew exactly what she needed. She walked straight over to the section marked sock yarn. Of course. She began tossing balls of yarn into my basket, muttering, two pairs for Fern, one for Sylvia, oh, and three for Frank's grandkids. By the time she was done, the basket was nearly overflowing with yarn in almost every color, black, red, brown, dark green, navy blue, and even multicolored. Whoa, I said, how many pairs do you have to make? Don't ask, she said as the clerk rang up the bill, the very big bill. I wondered if her friends paid her for the yarn. When I asked her if they did, she smiled and shook her head. My socks are a labor of love. I love making them for people and they love receiving them. It feels good to give them away. Maybe I could help you, I said. Booby laughed. Oh, official, if only, she gave me a side hug. As she handed the clerk her credit card, I got an idea, a great idea. A really amazing, perfect, super special idea. Bam, just like that. Standing in the middle of the yarn store, I'd come up with my mitzvah project.
So that's chapter one of Fish Out of Water. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. My grandma also knits socks, so I loved hearing his story. Oh, how fun. That's yeah. awesome. So thank you again for talking with me today. Are you ready to get into some questions? Absolutely. I am ready. Perfect. So can you tell me a short summary of your book? Sure. Fish Out of Water is a boy named Fischl, or Fish for short, who wants to learn how to knit as a part of his bar mitzvah project. But many of the people around him, including those who are supposed to love and support him most, discourage him, saying knitting is for girls. So it's basically the story of what happens after that. Yeah, that's lovely. That's so sweet. So what inspired you to write A Fish Out of Water? I wanted to write a book that illustrated really clearly that activities, be they craft related or sports or whatever, whatever they are, are not for boys or girls. They're for everybody. Fish says it right in the book, I have hands and you need hands to knit, so why can't I knit? So I really wanted to write a book that showed really clearly that gendering activities is just wrong. And it has, it has no basis in fact and doesn't make a lot of sense. So really what we're doing is discouraging kids from following their dreams. And that just made me feel icky. So I wanted to write a book um, that illustrated that. So that's, that's what made me write the book. And as far as the title, I wrote about the kid named Fish, because I like making nicknames. So he was named Fish first. And when I sent the information about it to my editor, and I said, right in the pitch, he feels like a fish out of water, ha ha. And she said, oh, there's your title. So <laughs> that's how it came to be. I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> it just gave itself a name. Yep, exactly. And it has such a great message. Growing up, I can, I've seen the gendering of just doing the simplest tasks. And so I, I love that you're putting that message out there for kids to know that they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and it's a gentle reminder too for grown-ups how yeah. easy it can be to sort of put those things on other people. Like even growing up in my house, I had three brothers and it was always expected that I would clean the kitchen after dinner, but they didn't have to. And it was only because I was a girl and it wasn't, because my parents, you know, meant anything bad against it. It was just, that's the way it was always done. So I wanted to remind grownups too, that we need to think about how we assign tasks and chores and, and what we let our kids do, because it, it does have an impact for sure. Yeah, exactly. I have four brothers. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can feel that uh, in the household, but my parents were pretty good at making us all do the dishes. So Awesome. Really <laughs> yeah. So did you base any of these characters off people like you know in your own life? I generally don't base um, especially whole characters off whole people I know because I, I find that's probably problematic down the road. <laughs> I do take elements and bits and pieces of people I know and myself. I mean, there's a little bit of me in every one of my main characters because it's something I need to explore or want to do differently in my life, you know, if I had a do-over. Um, but Fish himself was inspired by, now they're not the same people, but inspired by the son of a friend of mine who, he's just such a smart, clever kid and he has a really different way of looking at the world. And, and they came to spend some time with me, well, a couple of years ago now, and everything he said was just so clever and different and interesting. And he just 
sort of was different than other kids. And, and I loved that about him. And I wanted to write about a kid who just followed his own path. Yeah. Uh, so he was inspired. And that's actually who the book is dedicated to is, is Travis. So, oh, yeah. That's so sweet. I love that. And I love seeing what things that they come up with when you're around them and just talking to them. Like they have so much more knowledge than we give them. And see the world in such a fresh way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So who did you intend to write this book for? You know, my publisher says it's for 10 and up. And I think probably eight and up in many cases could read it. But I wrote it for everybody. Like I said before, it's, it's you know, a gentle reminder for grown-ups to check our biases. And I found even in writing it, I found I had biases too that I needed to really think about. So it was a learning process for me. And I also wrote it obviously for kids and I hope that they both enjoy it and because it's a fun read and maybe get something out of it and feel reassured that whatever their dreams are is, is cool. And what makes you different is what makes you interesting and cool. So I wrote it for everybody and I think anybody can take something out of it for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we're constantly learning and, and sometimes we need to relearn things. So if parents read this with their kids, they could learn something together. Yeah, that's my hope. That's my hope for sure. In a gentle way. <laughs> yeah, in a gentle, fun way. Yeah. That's great. So you kind of mentioned it a bit before, but what message do you want your readers to take away from this book? Yeah, um, basically just that whatever you want to do in life, is cool and up to you and, and you should never if somebody tells you you shouldn't do it for whatever reason if that reason doesn't make sense to you then you don't have to listen to them follow your dreams you know and and you know what's right for you and and in the book fish you know without giving any spoilers fish knows in his heart what's right for him and he follows that and i and that's important for everybody i think yeah i totally agree don't hold yourself back and just go where you want to go Right. So speaking in that path, um, did you always want to be an author? Sort of. I mean, I always loved books growing up and I loved reading and I, and I came from a family of big readers. I don't think I realized it was sort of a career choice until I was a grown up, but I always loved telling stories. And even in school, I would sometimes get in trouble for telling stories and I was kind of the class clown and I loved making people laugh. And that's that's no different from today. I mean, if I can make people laugh with my stories, then my work's done here. So it was a logical progression to become an author, to be able to tell my stories and, and make stuff up for a living. So uh, I can't say I've always wanted to be an author, but I think I was always sort of heading that way. In that path. That, yeah. Was there any like jobs that you did when you were younger that like got you in this path? No. <laughs> you know what it was it it was I had jobs where I had a lot of free time and I had a lot of brain space when I went home at the end of the day so I worked for a bank for several years and I was an executive assistant which meant I didn't have to take my job home with me at night which left lots of brain space to make up ideas and, and come up with stuff and my first several books were written while I still had a day job most yeah actually I still have a day job I just work from home but it's it's nice to have that time in the evening where I'm not thinking about work so having a job that allowed for that creative space helped me more than anything else but I've never had a job before I wrote books that was 
in writing. I, I have taken some writing classes and I took creative writing a few, a few classes at um, community college um, that were more like workshops, which I highly recommend if anybody wants to get into writing because you trade your work with other people. It's not so much instruction, but yeah, those were great. That's awesome. So you kind of just like spent your free time like with your passion. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's funny, I went to university for labor studies and I thought I would go into HR. And I actually, I got a community college, you know, those course books in the mail and I was going to take HR courses. And then I saw the creative writing course and I never turned back. I took creative writing instead of HR. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so how many books have you written and do you plan to write more? I've written, uh, if we're talking unpublished, I lost count at probably 20. I wrote a lot of books before I got published. Published, I think I have, I'm looking at my bookshelf, nine, I think. And I've got two more coming, one in October and one in 2022, because publishing takes almost forever. And I don't think I'll ever stop writing. So definitely there's going to be more to come down the road. Writing, I, I love writing. It's my passion. Knitting, knitting socks, not so much, but writing, yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great. And I love that you keep all your books on your bookshelf beside you there. <laughs> kind of like uh, your award wall. It is. It is. It's, you can't see it, but it's, uh, I have many. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So to talk a bit about your publishing company, why did you decide to publish through Orca? And can you tell us a little bit about Orca? There's so many great things to say about Orca. I love Orca. I love, first and foremost, they're Canadian, which I love about them. And they're so committed to, they're sort of a smaller publisher if you're comparing them to like a Simon & Schuster or HarperCollins. Um, they're very Canadian and they're committed to putting out beautiful books that are diverse and representative and just do a great, great job um, of putting out really nice books and they're accessible. And I love how they're committed to the accessible reads like uh, Fish Out of Water and one of my other books, Double Trouble, and a book that's coming in 2022 are part of the Orca Currents line, uh, which are the accessible books that have the dyslexia-friendly fonts and nice white space, and they're a little shorter than, than books for that age group normally are. But they're, it means more people can read them, and I love that. I love that, and I'm really proud to have um, so many books with Orca. I think I have four so far and two more coming. So that's, that's why I love working with them. And my editor is amazing, Tanya. Hi, Tanya, if you're listening. <laughs> they're just a great company to work for. And they're just very supportive and they put out beautiful books. So it's not really a hard choice that way. So. That's yeah, as someone with dyslexia, when I was reading through your book, it's I love that you mentioned the dyslexia-friendly um, font because that was the first thing I noticed was how easy it was for me to read the book in the font that it was and the spacing. And it kind of used like simple English words. So it was easy for me to just read through and, and not get stressed out about what I was reading. And that's great to hear. I was actually going to ask you how you found it because I think Fish Out of Water was one of the first ones that had that new font and the new, it's, it's a little bigger format. Um, so that is so great to hear. And I'm going to take that feedback to Orca and let them know as well. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's great having them be more accessible. And they're, they're still great stories. There's nothing, 
you know, wrong with the stories. Everybody can enjoy them. They're just more accessible to more people. And that's what yeah, exactly. And I don't think accessibility, accessibility takes away from like the value or quality of a book. It just gives it more quality because it just allows so many more people to read it and enjoy it. Yeah. And that's how I feel too. And my own style of writing, I don't write lots of big flowery language and lots of description. So writing for this, these types of books really works for me as well. I'm so glad to hear that the book worked for you and I hope you enjoy more Orca books too. <laughs> I will be checking out more after reading yours. Thank so you. where are your books available for our audience um, listening to purchase? Thank you for asking. So Orcus books are available at all Canadian retailers and retailers in the States as well. Right now, it's probably best to order online just because I don't know who can even get to bookstores. But any of the independent bookstores, um, like neighborhood bookstores, many of them are doing online ordering. Or you can get them at Indigo uh, or Amazon or even orcabook.com. They have a, a web store that people can order from there. Perfect. Sounds like there's a lot of places we can go check out A Fish Out of Water and all your other books. And Thank that's you. all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for talking with me today and giving us a bit about your book and your publisher and yourself and just sharing your story with us. Um, it was great to get to hear a small chapter and just to get to know more about you as an author. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much, Maggie and Anna, for inviting me. And this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to find the books mentioned on this show, head over to our website at dyslexiacanada.org forward slash sharing dash stories dash podcast. Please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. We wouldn't be here without you.